The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Well, good morning. Now, that was a really warm welcome. I feel honoured and privileged to be with you this morning. It's a great place to be, isn't it? And what great pastors you have. I mean, I love hanging out with John and Anne. I don't know if you know that. It's one of my secret little pleasures. Because they're great people. They're great teachers. And they, and they impart so generously. And your privilege that you get to, to spend every week with them. I only get to spend a little bit of my time with them. But I, I enjoy it thoroughly. And I thank you for the way you bless and encourage. And what a great vision. I'm sitting there. Now, I've heard this vision twice. So, I, you, know, you know, sometimes we are slow learners. You, you're not slow learners. I can see you've already got it. But I heard it the first time in the first service. I said, that's fantastic. I've heard it now. The second time, I'm even more excited because I think that is an exciting vision for the church. Yeah. We need to be releasing people into the mission field, don't we? Yeah. We really need to see the kingdom of God change our nation. You know, the saddest thing is, here in Australia, we have over 24 million people. But such a large majority of that people don't really have a real encounter with Jesus. I think that is tragic. I think when you think of countries like India and you think of countries like Africa, the continent of Africa, man, they are getting saved in thousands, millions of people are coming to know Jesus. But in our own country here in Australia, people have not yet taken hold of the truth that will set them free. And yeah, there's a vision that is burning and that is being birthed in this church that says, you know what, we're going to do that. And I think that's exciting. I think that's something worth sowing into. Don't you agree? That's something worth investing into. I want to invest into that. I wish I was, I wish I was, I'm going to invest into that. Come on. It's too good not to. You know, when you're given a good investment, you've got to invest in it. Now, I'm no car salesman, so I don't need to convince you of that. But because there are people who want to sell you all sorts of things in life, don't they? We do. We have people all around us who want to sell us something. I don't know about you, but you get out your front door, you walk down the street, someone wants to sell you something. But I think in the church, we've got the best thing. And it's not for sale. It's, it's, it's for us to, to take hold of. Don't you agree? Well, I haven't started preaching yet. I'm just rambling. You okay with that? But let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you will come and take hold of our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that there will be a fire that will burn deep in our spirits this morning. Lord, I pray that we will encounter you in a new way this morning. A way that we haven't yet experienced you before. Father, just like Elijah called for fire from heaven to fall down on this offering. Father, we pray that your fire will fall down upon us this morning, that it will consume us, that it will just take control of every part of our beings this morning. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that I may become less so that you may become great. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing and acceptable to you this morning. Oh Lord, I pray that you will just use this time and this space to do something that is beyond our comprehension. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited because I believe God is about to do something new in our midst. 
I believe that God wants to do something new. I believe that God is shifting gears. I believe God is shifting gears in our nation. And the spiritual climate of this church, I believe, is getting hotter. I sense in my spirit that, that God is starting to do a new thing in this place that has yet to be done. And I believe that His people is yet to receive something that is a fresh anointing for a new season. I believe that God is about to put new wine into new wineskins. And God is saying that whatever you have come here before with, He's saying, I'm going to give you new wineskins to take hold of something new and something fresh. I sense this in my spirit this morning, that God is ready to impart something upon our lives and upon the, the life of this church that is going to take it to a new dimension. And I believe that we need to be ready because when God starts to pour new wine, you know, when, you, know you can't pour new wine into old wineskins because old wineskins are already stretched. And when you pour new wine, new wine has to breathe and it has to expand and it has to, to push out. And, and new wine in old wineskins can be very messy and dangerous because it just breaks. But God says, I want to give you new wineskins this morning because I want you to, to stretch out. I want you to expand. Are you ready to expand this morning? Are you ready? I don't think you sound convinced. Are you ready to expand this morning? Hallelujah. Because I believe God is ready to expand. My text for this morning is Matthew chapter 28. And the final part of 28, we see the Great Commission, verse 18 and 19. We see the Great Commission where God's word is very clear. You know, Jesus is ready to ascend up to heaven. He's been with his disciples for three and a bit years. And in that time, he has taught them. In that time, he's challenged them. In that time, he's encouraged them. And in that time... He has shown them what it is to be a follower. And yeah, he's getting ready to ascend. And before he gets ready to ascend, he gives them this word, this challenge. I love this challenge because this is a challenge that breeds new life into the church. You know what? Um, I I like watching movies that challenge me and inspire me. Uh, My wife likes watching movies that just makes her feel good. So all those girly movies that, you know, that's, you know, the notebook, and they make you feel good. But I, I like watching movies that inspire me and challenge me. I, I, I was watching this movie, I can't even remember, it, it, was, it was about a father whose son was critically ill. I think it was John Q, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, his son was critically ill and it needed, you, you're with me, thank you, thank you. There's a sister with me, hallelujah. Uh, and, and he needed to have this transplant. His father was so desperate that he was willing to do pretty well everything that he possibly can do. Now, if I asked you this morning that you had 24 hours to raise a million dollars, would you be able to do it? I've got a brother, Faith. Hallelujah. Have I got any advances on this one man? <laughs> and some people say to me, a million dollars in 24 hours? You're, you're crazy. Except for my brother, yeah, who's crazy with me. And people say, no, you're crazy. It's, it, that's nearly impossible. But if I said to you, in order to save your child, you need to raise a million dollars in 24 hours, I want to tell you that something will change in your thinking and your mindset. Because when there is a sense of an urgency, 
You're willing to do whatever it takes, right? But when it's not urgent and it's not so life-threatening or life-pressuring, you sort of say, well, maybe I can do it. And I think we're all the same. We need an urgency in order to respond sometimes to what God is asking us to do. Because we're used to being comfortable in the West, right? You know what? It's interesting. Previously to coming here today, I I was the pastor of a church in Auburn for 10 years. And, uh, And one of the things lots of people would say to me is that in some parts of the world where people come from, like in Africa, in Rwanda, or, or in, in Liberia, or Sierra Leone, or in the Congo, when you are sick, and when you have someone in your family that's ill, you need to have a lot of faith. Because there is no doctor open 24-7. There is no hospital that you can get to. There is no ambulance service you can call. And they would say to me, you know what, Pastor, I think my people, and he was referring to his fellow Sierra Leoneans, and he said, we're becoming apathetic. We've taken on a Western mindset. Because there is no more urgency for us to get on our knees and pray and say, God, will you do this miracle? Because whatever we need, it just seems, we just go, we're hungry, we go to the shops. We go to our pantry. But in the country I came from, when we were hungry, we had to ask God to provide. When there were sick in our family, we had to ask God to intervene. There is no same urgency anymore. And I think what is happening with us in the life of our communities is we've lost our urgency. But God is saying, I want to give you new wine. Have you got new wineskins? These are urgent times. I need to do a new thing in you. I need to do a new thing in you so you realize what I'm about to do. I love it when people tell me there's something I can't do, don't you? I think it's about the Australian spirit and culture. We hate being told you can't do something. Uh, My son, Joshua, he's now 14, but I think somehow he's, he's inherited the same spirit. Our next-door neighbor, um, their family, was uh, it was an interesting family. And we used to hear them, you know, you hear some... I don't know about you, but these days, because we live so close to each other, even though we lived in gated communities and you drive your car into a garage, you close the garage and you never get to see people, but you get to hear things, don't you? You get to hear when your neighbors are talking, when they're arguing and so forth. And next door to us, uh, the family where we were living were next door to they would argue and they would have some savage arguments. And the little girl from next door would often come into our house because she found it to be a real safe place. And so Sky would come and she'd wander in and she would sit down. And my son at that time was only three years of age. And the amazing thing about Josh was that he loved Jesus. eh? And at three years of age, he would start to talk to Sky about the hope she can find in Jesus. And he would share with her the truth about Jesus. You know what? He said to her one day, I could hear this conversation happening. He goes, Sky, this is my Bible. I can't read it yet. 
but can you read it to me? So he says, look at the index, because we've been talking about it. I, I believe you've got to start with your children early. You with me? Don't wait till they're too old. Start when they're, you know what, when they're even babies, you start, you start with them then. You start praying over them. You start preaching. You start prophesying. You say, God, I want you to do something in their lives. Don't wait till they're teenagers. Start when they're even... And so I would, I would pray with him. I would tell him the stories of the kingdom. Even up to now, we still talk about it. So he says to Sky, open it up. She goes, look down the index. He, could, he couldn't read. And he said, look in the index. And he goes, when you find Mark's gospel, Mark, open it up to the number. And he goes, start reading. And she's there reading to him. My three-year-old son led this young girl to Christ. Well, then it get messy. Because then their parents said, what is happening? My daughter wants to go to church with you now. No problems. She can come to church with us. But really, we don't believe in this Christianity stuff. But we, we like what you're doing. Because my daughter's starting to change. This 12-year-old girl is hanging around with a 3-year-old boy. And he is leading her to Christ. And things are starting to happen. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Well, my son Josh... First convert, thank you, Jesus. Very soon after that, we moved to Auburn. Now, Auburn, people told me, watch out, there's a Muslim community. Be careful. And in our church, things started happening, and people kept telling me, it's impossible to lead Muslims to faith. It's impossible. It can't happen, it won't happen, it just doesn't happen. Well, I love it when people tell me that. I think it's exciting. I think it's fantastic because I think what is impossible for man is possible with God. So my, no one told my son it was impossible. Because when he started going to kindergarten, I had the teachers ring me up. Mr. Kiston, we need you to come home, come to school. We need to have a conversation with you. I think Because your son Joshua is doing some stuff that we think could potentially be dangerous. I think, what's he doing? He decided to start his own church service at, church, at school. <laughs> Thinking, this is crazy. So the teacher said he's wanting a class. Now, you've got to realize he's only just over five years of age. He wants to start a service in his school. And their kids coming to it. And my wife said, it's all your fault. Well, it got interesting. You were still with me? Okay, good. Attila. Attila is a five-year-old kid. And Josh gets in trouble because one day in lines, Josh says to him, Attila... You and I are friends, right? He goes, yeah, yeah, Josh, we're friends. We're good mates. He goes, do you want to meet my best friend? Yeah, we're as friends with you, friends with me. We're brothers, come on. Well, my best friend's Jesus. So Tilla says, Josh says, you want to meet Jesus? He goes, I'll meet Jesus. Where is he? Because it's, well, Attila, you've got to see, he's, he's in, he comes into your heart, you see. So yeah, in lines, in school lines, Josh is praying over Attila. 
Attila accepts Jesus as his best friend. Josh does the prayer with him. Attila's father rings me up. I'd like to come and see you. And I'm thinking, I'm in trouble now. The three-year-old with a, with a kid next door neighbor, that was different. Now we're in a Muslim country. Auburn is a Muslim country. This is going to be a bit more challenging. But the father comes over and he sits down in my lounge room and we chat. And I remember this conversation because this was one of the most powerful conversations I've had. Because the father says to me, Nurson, my son, Attila, was in trouble with nearly every teacher in the school. But since your son became his best friend, he's changed. From being a trouble kid, he's now a good kid. And he goes, whatever your Jesus does for my son, then I want that Jesus for me too. Hey? See, yeah, when Jesus says, and the word of God says, and the Great Commission is, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. Therefore, go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that they can be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, and all the ends of the earth. You see, the word of God is very simple. God's word for all of us is that all authority has been given to us. So why do we walk around as if we just aren't able to, that we're inadequate, we're less, we, la- we lack some ability to do this? We're equipped. You are equipped because all authority, he hasn't given you just some of his authority, he's given you all authority of heaven and earth has been given to you to go and make disciples. All authority. And you know the thing about authority, it's different to power. Power is a force. It's an energy force. It's something that you can manipulate. But this is authority from heaven. He has given you all authority. The church cannot remain silent. We can't remain dormant. We can't remain comfortable because God has given you all authority. You know, Moses had this battle. He comes before God and says, God says, Moses, I need you to go back to Egypt to set my people free, to lead them out of slavery and lead them to promise. And Moses says, but, but God, seriously, how can I do that? Who shall I say sent me? And God says to him, I am sent you. God says, I am. And who's I am? Ego or me? I am the divine authority. I am the only God. I am the beginning and the end. I am God Almighty. And I will go with you. And I've given you all authority. I don't know why it is, but God says, you Christians, you are my people, chosen by my name, set apart, given a destiny, a promise to do something far more amazing. So go. And make disciples. Go, Moses. Don't wait. You've got to realize that we are a sent people. God has said we are a sent people. We are a journey people. We're not a people of comfortability. We're not a people of staying put in one place. We are a sent people. Called and given authority. But you know what? This is the important part. I was never good at grammar. But one of the things I've learned that the word go is a verb. And a verb is a doing word. All right? And go means to go. Not to stay. Not to wait. Not to deliberate. Not to make up excuses. Not to say, hang on, 
I'll go when the weather clears up. I'll go when my children leave home. I'll go when I have enough money in my bank account. I'll go when things are right and settled. God says, go now because you are a sent people. Don't go when it's good. Go now because I'm saying go. This great commission is not optional. It's not Hey, maybe you should think about this. Or maybe you should consider this. Or maybe you need to reflect upon this first. It means now because God is giving you a command. He doesn't give us too many commands. But when it comes to going and reaching out to lost people, to broken people, God says, go. Therefore, go. And he doesn't just say go and then do the thing with them and share with them the the news about Jesus and then leave it at that. He said, go and make disciples. And making disciples, I've got to tell you, friends, is messy business. It's messy business. It's messy because you've got to get your hands dirty. Oh, no. You may say, I was with you all the way up to go, but when you want to get me messy up, you know, I've got to get my hair messy. That's why I've got such short hair. It's so easy. (laughs) It messes up with the way you live your life. It messes everything up. God's saying, go. And make disciples. I, I, I remember this very, very profoundly because it was very early in our time at Auburn. And there's a lady in our community. She was a Muslim lady, but she needed help. She needed help getting to the doctors. And another person in the community said, Pastor, can you help this lady? And I said, what does she need? Well, she needs someone to take her to the doctors. I can do that. So I rock up, on the, up to her door and knock on her door. And Johari's there and she needs to go to the doctor's. So she jumps in my car and I drive her to the doctor's. I wait for her. She finishes an appointment at the doctor's. She comes home with me. And I said to her, hey, Johari, can I pray for you? She goes, you might as well. I tried everything else. Nothing else seems to work. So why don't you pray for me? We pray with Johari. And she said, you know what? Can you pray for my, my daughter? Okay, yeah, what's your, what's your daughter's name? It's little Johari. So I pray with Johari, and then I pray with little Johari. And nothing happens for a few months. We keep on going. We deliver blankets and heaters. And we just keep on going, doing journey with them. And then one morning at 6 a.m., my phone rings. It's a Saturday morning. My wife says, don't answer it. Let it go. I go, no, I've got to answer the phone. So I get up, answer the phone. And it's Johari. And she says, Pastor, you need to come now. <laughs> demanding people, hey? <laughs> Pastor John and Anne know all about demanding people. She calls me to come now, right away. So I get dressed. I go. I get there. You wouldn't believe it. Jahari's still in bed. I get there, woken up, 6 a.m. in the morning. I get to her home, and she's in bed. I thought, my goodness, at least she could have been up. So I walk in, and I talk to Jahari, and she says to me, she said, Pastor, last night I had a dream. In my dream, I saw a man and he said, do you know who I am? And she looked and she says, 
I think I know who you are. And the man said again, do you know who I am? She said, I know who you are. He said, I am Jesus. And Jairus said, Jesus came to me last night in my dream. And he asked me, do I know who he is? She said, today, I want you, pastor, to help me know Jesus. And there in her bedroom, it was a privilege to lead her to Christ and share with her. Yeah. Well, you know, Jahari now is a raving lunatic. Because she loves Jesus so much, she wants to tell everyone. And Muslims are getting saved all over the place. You see, my friends, when Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples, he doesn't tell us just to go and proclaim it, the word. He asks us to demonstrate his power and his victory. We can't just share the good news of Jesus. We need to demonstrate the good news of Jesus. I think what our world needs more than anything else, it needs a demonstration of the power of the risen Savior. We need to show the world that our Jesus is not a dead God. He's living and He's capable of doing all things. He's ready and willing and able to set people free. He's not a dead God. He's a God that heals. He's a God that breaks the chains that bound us. He's a God that gives us victory. He's a God that gives us freedom. He's a God that gives us hope. The church needs this. We are the hope of the world. You know that, don't you? You are the carriers of great power. Because when the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in the very first chapter, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened that you may see the power that's within you. The same power that was raised that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I want your eyes to be open to realize that I put power upon you to raise people from the dead. Do you know that? To set people free. That's the same power that lives in you and in I. And that's what God wants us to know this morning. He says, I want you to become a demonstrator of my power. My gospel message can't be just a message spoken. It needs to be lived. It needs to be believed. It needs to be setting people free. We need to start to set our neighbors free, don't we? We need to start to set our community free. Our people who we work with, we need to set them free. We need to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Time is of the essence. There is an urgency that needs the people of God to go out and be His hands and His feet. We can't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow is too late. There are people dying right now. Just recently, our Prime Minister sent our two Hercules helicopters. He sent them out to Vanuatu to to help in the rescue and help in the work that needed to be done there. Didn't he? You're aware of that, aren't you? What if he didn't and left them on the tarmac? And he left them there and said, you know what? We've got these, we've got these vessels, we've got these aircraft, but we're not yet ready to let them go. Because it's just not possible because we need them for something else at some other point in time. But he let those aircraft out. I want to tell you that we are the vessels that God wants to set free. And sent to Vanuatu, to send to different parts of the world, to send to parts of Sydney. God says, I want to send you. Will you go? There are people drowning in your neighborhood and your community right now. And God says, 
will you go? Will you go? Will you go right now? You are the vessel that I want to use. You, my friend, I, want, I need you right now. I need you to go. I need you to go and speak to your friends in school. I need you to go and speak to the people in your neighborhood. And you may say, oh, I'm ill-equipped like Moses did. I don't have the words. I, don't have, I cannot articulate myself. I had the stutter. You know, God, you don't understand my past failings. I've tried the style of stuff before and I've made mistakes. And God says, I want to send you. Will you go? But, but God, you don't understand. They're not going to listen to me. They're not going to take me seriously. I'm not as eloquent and gifted in the stuff as others are. But God says, I want to send you. Will you go? Yeah, but, but God, you don't understand. I mean, really, this is too hard. How will, how will they listen to me? Pharaoh wants to kill me. But God says, will you go? Go means go. And this morning, I honestly sense in my spirit that there's a spiritual shift. And God wants to send his people out. But this morning, there are people sitting comfortably. And I sense in my spirit there are people this morning that need to go. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Center Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 